0: Church I See is a visionary series talking about not what just I see, but really what God sees for this church. In fact, in Corinthians, Paul says, what God sees is eternal. What we see is temporary. Uh, Nothing you've ever laid eyes on on this earth is going to last. It's all temporary. But if we will see what God sees, and that's his kingdom, His kingdom, His plans, His desire, His his, uh, uh, heart to bring back into relationship the souls that are in every single person that you've locked eyes with. If we can see what He sees, we can't go wrong. And we've been talking about our mission and our values, mission being what we're, why we exist, why we get up in the morning as a church, and values how we behave and our strategy of, of how we want to lead people into discovering their God-given potential, which is our mission. And our strategy of knowing God and finding freedom and discovering purpose and then making a difference with this relationship of Jesus. He's, he's not there just to be enjoyed. He's, he's there for you to not only enjoy relationship but then be strengthened and the giftings, the talents that you have to be on display for the world. And so today when I talk to you, I'm going to give you the vision of our church as we turn 90 years old next year. I believe this vision is going to take us to our 100th birthday celebration. And man, I have been there. I I mean, I haven't been there in the flesh. But I'm telling you, I have been to our 100th celebration. I've stood and I've looked around the mass building that is full of people celebrating what God has done in the last 10 years. I've I've seen people pull out, and this is just silly, but I don't know, I've seen people bring out tons of, of birthday cake for our 100th celebration, and on that birthday cake, it's not 100 candles, but thousands and thousands of candles that represent lights that have been turned on in people's hearts, That represent the spark of salvation and a relationship with Jesus of thousands and thousands and thousands of people in our backyard and in our county and in our region and in our nation and in our world. And as we sing "Happy Birthday," it's not celebrating what we have done and how old we are as a church, but we're just singing "Thank You, Jesus." Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, day, I'm inviting you to follow me as your pastor and to follow the Spirit of God to go after those that aren't here yet. In every airport, luggage is lost. Every airport. And it goes to an unclaimed area. And if nobody claims that baggage for a while, it all gets shipped to one of the uh, one a, a huge warehouse and every year there's this big auction in this warehouse for all this unclaimed baggage. Nobody had the time to say, "Oh, that's mine." "Oh, that's mine." It's unclaimed. Do you know that There are millions of dollars in unclaimed real estate and wills and paychecks that never got sent to the right place when someone quit a job. Millions of dollars sitting in a fund in states all over the United States that haven't been claimed. So I checked all the states, you know, just to make sure I had, just unclaimed, just waiting for somebody to say, that's mine. That's mine. There is no person that you will lock eyes with that doesn't matter to Jesus. And I want you to think about your friends, your relatives, your associates, and your neighbors. When I begin to share with you the vision today, I want you to think to yourself about all those families, all those men and women Young and old, who right now, Jesus is waiting to claim them, but they're unclaimed. And they're just waiting for somebody to say, I see it. I see them. I see her. I see them. That's my responsibility. That's my opportunity. And I want you to claim the unclaimed with me as we get ready to move into a decade towards our 100th celebration so today we're talking about vision and this theme scripture that we've had throughout this, this uh, four-week series is Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Would you just uh, say it out loud with me together? Let's go. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I don't want you to stumble through life barely making it. I want you to attend to what he reveals in your life, in your family, in your marriage, and in your children and grandchildren. And when you do that, that is the blessed life. It's not bigger square footage. It's not more horsepower. It's not more zeros at the end of the paycheck. At the end of the day, it's simply attending to what he reveals and that will release a blessed life in this church and in you. Today I want to talk about aiming the target. The title of my message is called Get Off The Porch. So when you read it like that, you have, to, you have to do it like, get off the porch. But let's start with aiming at the right target. I start with the story of the 2004 Olympian, Olympic shooter who ever since a young age and preteen was a sharp shooter, his name Matthew Emmons. Tons of trophies, tons of junior Olympics, tons of of just incredible skill at hitting the bullseye with a rifle. And in the 2004 Athens Olympics, he was way ahead of that person that was in second place. And when you get ready to shoot in the uh, in the Olympics uh, the Olympic shooting competition, you look a little bit like this. In fact, you look exactly like this. This is Matthew Emmons in the 2004 Olympics gearing up to shoot. All he needed to do was shoot one more target. He didn't even have to hit a very good target. He just had to hit the target in order to stay in first place because he was so far ahead. And as he leaned in to shoot, he shot a bullseye square, dead square in the middle of the bullseye. The only problem is he shot the wrong target. He had what they call cross-fired, where when he came down, he was on his opponent's target. And so instead of shooting his own target in the bullseye, he shot his his opponent's bullseye. They caught this moment, and this is what he looked like as soon as he shot it. (laughs) What? What? now he's come back since then and he's won gold but this is a tough moment can I tell you there are a lot of men in this room you're shooting a bullseye but you might be shooting the wrong target there's some women in the room hit the bullseye on the right target for your kids for your family for yourself this church we can hit the bullseye, I just want us to hit the bullseye on the right target and that's what vision does. Vision paints a target on the wall and it forces us, it makes us uncomfortable, it puts us out there, put, put, puts us vulnerable because what if we miss? What if we don't get it done? What if we say this is where we're going and, and we stumble? But what does that change? Vision is vision. Let's aim together. And with God's help, with God's strength, with his power, empowering us, I think we will going to hit the bullseye. But we've got to aim at the right target. Vision, write it down in your notes if you would. It answers the question, what will we look like down the road? What will we look like down the road? And you know, you probably, if you, if you work, you probably have an organization that has a vision statement. You probably don't know it like most people don't know their vision statement. That's like, eh, something about, I mean, quality, something or other. <laughs> As I as I've told you before I walked into a company even in this town huge hundreds of employees into the receptionist lounge and right there on top of the receptionist desk was a plaque that said our vision is da, 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 da. and then I went upstairs to the boardroom and there was a plaque on the wall it was a completely different vision they had transferred ownership and stuff and they'd forgotten to take the vision down <laughs> They didn't really know two targets two targets how do you hit a bullseye on that so, a vision statement is just, it's a vision statement, and you can be pretty, you can be flowery, you can make sense, but, but, but if you're not aiming at it, then it doesn't matter what your vision statement is. And so, I, not only do I want to share with you the vision statement that God placed, deposited, like, like, I don't know if this sounds a little funky, but like impregnated me with two years ago. I know that's a little gross, but like, I feel like I've been pregnant with this vision baby for two years, you know. Um, could you imagine, ladies? two years pregnant, oh my, like a 42 pound baby, (laughs) anyway, no, probably not 42, maybe 20, anyway, moving on, but but two years ago at the Galveston apartment um, that I had borrowed from a friend for a three-day fasting and prayer retreat, I really felt the Lord, the Holy Spirit lead me to a chapter in Genesis when it talked about Abram and Sarai, who later were named Abraham and Sarah. Because God had something new for them. But Abram and Sarai, Jesus visited them in the form of an angel and said, you're going to be pregnant. And Sarai says, what? I'm 90 years old. Are you kidding me? 90 years old. 90. Ain't having no babies. Shoot. Okay. But yet God did a miracle. Now I will tell you, they tried to take the vision in their own hands instead of Sarai becoming pregnant, she gave her maidservant to Abram and they thought that if we can just do it in our own effort, we can, we can create this baby and, because the vision that God had given him is I'm gonna give you the descendants that outnumber the stars in the heavens. And so they thought they would just put it in their own hands that they could do it and what a dangerous place that was. Ishmael was born and even today, we're still dealing with the after effects of people taking God's vision and putting it in their own hands versus trusting God for what he's given. Because Ishmael and Isaac are now the major issues that are in the Middle East from the, uh, the Palestinians and uh, Muslim and Jews, there's that major, that major uh, rivalry and it all started with Abram and Sarai way back in the Old Testament. But when I heard that Abram, A- Abram and Sarai, that she was 90 when she was gonna give birth Here's what Jesus deposited in my heart. It was two years ago. And it's clear, not audibly like I'm talking to you, but as clear as I'm talking to you today. Jesus spoke to me and said, the same way Sarah was 90 when she gave birth, Lufkin First Assembly is gonna be 90 soon. And I want you to give birth to a new vision when you turn 90. And that's been building in me for a couple of years, been waiting until 90, so next year, guess what? In January, we turn 90. And I'm unfolding the vision today so that we can hit the ground running in January for what God has called us to do. I hope you'll join me in that. Well, what is that? Well, vision is a beautiful thing. Vision gives you great ideas and all kinds of motivation, possibly. In fact, here's a vision statement. It's not our vision statement, but it's a good vision statement. There's a, there's a, there's a church, a lot of people worship this, um, this organization. Refreshing the world in mind, body, and spirit. Inspiring moments of optimism and happiness while creating value and making a difference. What church is that? The Church of Coca-Cola. Hey, can, can I promise you something? Yeah, the syrup of the Savior. Somebody's giving me an amen. Lord have mercy. <laughs> can I promise you something? You may be refreshed by drinking a Coca-Cola. It's not going to uh, refresh your your, your uh, mind and your spirit. It will change your body. You drink enough of it. I do promise you that. Your, your spirit. Your spirit. It's Coke. It's spirit. Come on. That's a little grandiose. If you were for Coca-Cola, more power to you. Keep the Coke Zero coming. All right? But... <laughs> ain't nobody's spirit being transformed by pop, as we say in Kansas. But the church, the organization that has withstood persecution and war and famine and pestilence. that has withstood persecution. There's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. Big old businesses you thought never would go out of business with great visions and lots of money in the bank. Blockbuster video. (laughs) Students blockbuster. (laughs) Bricks, they were these bricks that you put in a machine and you actually when you watched a movie you had to push a rewind button and went had to rewind. And you had to be kind and rewind. <laughs> there's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. There's a lot of things like a local church when they're, when they're all they're about is uh, preserving traditions. There's, there's a lot of things like the local church when it's all about a social club and it's all about just getting together and having a good time. There's a whole lot of things like the local church when it's just about us three and it'll be us four and no more. There's a whole lot of things about the local church when it's just like a family reunion. But when the local church is working right, and it's committed to the agenda of God, and you know how many things are on God's agenda? One thing, souls. Souls, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God, it's all about souls. It's all about reconciling relationship with you and with me and those yet to reconcile. And when the local church is working right, people get reconciled. Look, just a couple weeks ago, a gentleman who I heard say, oh man, they'll never, I, I don't know if they'd ever come to Christ. Right over here, right over here, raised a hand and said, I, I need Jesus in my life. Marriages that we didn't know were gonna re- could, could be reconciled. That it looked like it was the end. They're back together. Parents had been praying over their children. Their children have fallen back in love with Jesus and there's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right and the only way we work right is by doing what he's called us to do. Why? Because the local church is way better than syrup. The local church is the hope of the world. It's the only organization that said that he said he would build personally. And it's the organization that he builds personally, but he uses you as the body of Christ. Jesus builds his church, but you're the body of Christ. So he uses us to build his church and propel his church. And his church is not just brick and mortar. That's not what he intended. Although, although that is part of us gathering together. It's what happens in and beyond the brick and mortar that truly counts. And that is, he would build his church, his movement. The church was never meant to be static. It was never meant to be sedimentary. It was never meant to be uh, just just a, a stale and stoic, like some kind of museum artifact. It was meant to be vibrant and alive. Refreshing and inspiring and attractive, and a beacon of light in the middle of a community, not just another building in the community. Because the church is the hope of the world. Why? Because we have the transformative message of Jesus. Because we gather together. And we love one another, and we forgive one another, and we help one another, and we are kind to one another, and we show the world who Jesus is, not just in this auditorium, but we can, and if it is that way, we're wrong. But we take it, we get energized, strengthened, empowered to move beyond these four walls and offer hope to the world. So the vision that God planted in my heart two years ago, that sounds a whole lot better than impregnated, doesn't it, planted in my heart? We'll use that one, yeah, yeah. Check, check that other one off the record. The vision God planted in my heart two years ago was this statement and it came so clearly and I remember scribbling it out and just kinda looking at it. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know what I did? I called a mentor of mine. I called the pastor who had been here for many years, Todd Hudnall. I said, Todd, you had such a vision, 2000 by 2000. It was an awesome vision and hundreds of people got saved and revival took place and something I've been wrestling with and I feel like the Lord has given me. I just wanted to throw it by you. And when I told him, he said, whoa. <laughs> he said, man, Jeremy, that's, that's it. Now, it wasn't Todd that confirmed this. It wasn't Todd, it was God. God. <laughs> But having Todd and then even my predecessor, Andy, we all have been moving forward as your pastors to where God is leading us next. And here's the statement that God really deposited in my spirit. I believe that our church is called over the next 10 years to not turn that one. No wonder it wasn't turning right to get the right thing, (laughs) I believe God is calling us to be about creating community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. Community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. Oh, I remember the first time I pulled into Worlds of Fun. I mean, people were lined up in Kansas City, Missouri to go to the amusement park. And it was a blast. I mean roller coasters and cotton candy. And then I got there and I was too short to ride anything. <laughs> 13th birthday I went. Couldn't ride the Timberwolf. Don't, 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 don't. 13 years old, 47 inches tall, I kid you not. You had to be 48 inches to ride the Timberwolf. I was three foot 11 at 13 years old, but I grew to the stature I am today. (laughs) And when I say stature, I'm meaning more this way than this way. It was a community destination and I couldn't wait to be there, but we're doing more than cotton candy here. We're doing way more than roller coaster rides. We're developing your God-given potential and we want to create a space that is like beyond your home and beyond your work there is that third place that is a community destination not only for you but for this community there's no re- there's just a, there's a there's just strange to have a church like this in a in a size town like this to have 3,000 people consider this their church home and have 1, 17, 1,800 people showing up on a Sunday with hundreds of children. I mean, a, a, a children's center that's got more kids than your average elementary school. This is just an anomaly. This is not normal. And to whom much is given, much is required. And we're not done yet. We're not done and to create community destinations, I see us creating a space here and beyond that is a beacon of hope and light, a place that people before they're ever in the, in, the, in the market to have Jesus, that they would come on to a community destination that we're creating right here and beyond. So what does that look like? Well, let's take a look at Acts chapter 1. In the book of Acts, Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven after he's died and resurrected and shown up for a few days with the disciples. And they're all hungry to see Rome crumble, okay? They, they want to get someone new into leadership. They're all voting for their, for, they want a new president, they want a new king, they want a new deal, Okay, and they don't like the oppression that they've been experiencing in the kingdom of Rome, and they can't wait to get a new kingdom because Jesus has been talking about this new kingdom. But we know now, in hindsight, he's not talking about a new kingdom in Rome, he's talking about a new kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom you're in right now. Kingdom, but not kingdom. Does that make sense? And so, so the Jews, they, 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 the, the disciples, his apostles, were struggling with wanting to know when is it going to be? Like, it's like your kids. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? This is what's going on in the scripture. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Let me pause here. I think Christians ought to be involved in the political discussion. I think you ought to stand up for what is right. I think you ought to stand up for biblically based morals and values. I believe you ought to vote the Bible. I, I, I believe that with all my heart. Uh, I, I don't believe you vote on necessarily just one candidate. I believe you are voting for the essence of what is gonna be the absolute closest to, to a, a, a country that would just be as close and we're far away, but as close to the word of God as possible. That's, that, that's what I think we should be doing. It's okay to be about kingdom. Uh, it's okay about to, to be about this kingdom. Okay, would you hear me on that? But that's not the main kingdom. That's not the main kingdom. And Jesus shows us this in Acts chapter one. They kept asking, "Lord, has a time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom?" And He replied, "The Father alone has the authority and power to set those dates and times." He's talking about the return of Christ, and they are not for you to know. The reason I put powers in the King James version, He says, "The Father alone has the power." to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power, he's not talking about the power of kingdom, he's talking about the power of empowerment of the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit in the book of Acts comes upon them, they were empowered to speak the message of Christ through the chaos to the culture. The Holy Spirit didn't come for them to get goosebumps and go (laughs) They will receive the Holy Spirit to encourage them, empower them, feel the Holy Spirit, but to be empowered to speak the message of Christ through the chaos to the culture. That's what they were called to do because he goes on to say, you're going to receive that power for this purpose, for this purpose. To be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Jerusalem's where they were. Throughout Judea, a little bit closer, Samaria, people that were different from them, and to the ends of the earth, places they'd never go yet. They'd they'd never go. They didn't even understand there was other continents. They only knew their 50 mile radius or so. So community destinations based on the word of God, based on what he's already called us to do, we don't need to come up with more visionary stuff that that is beyond the Bible. The Bible's pretty clear on what our vision ought to be. Be my witnesses telling people everywhere. About me, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what God's called us to do. That's our vision, to create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. And he's given us the trail guide on how to do that. So community destinations, number one, in Jerusalem. That doesn't mean Jerusalem, it means our Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem is right here. Angelina County is our Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And God has called us to go to Angelina County first, to be planted there and go to Jerusalem and be my witnesses, empowered by the Spirit, right there with the people, right where you are. And so that has to do with this church and this community. And you know, we are at a place now, as we continue to grow... We are at over capacity in our kids center. We talked about it for a while. We've tried to move things around. We have one year olds going over here. We got babies going over here. We got the five year olds on top of the building now, on the roof. And that's a joke. Um, we, we've, you know, I mean, we got big old strollers that are it's like limousine strollers holding like 74 babies just like going around the place. We got them everywhere. Yeah, I mean, we, there might even be one under that seat right there. I don't know. It's a secure place, so no, they haven't escaped. But we got kids everywhere just piling out of this thing. What a blessed, beautiful problem to have. But you know what, there comes a point where you only catch as many fish depending on the size of your net. And we're catching all the fish our nets can hold. And this campus, when it comes to your cars, it's crazy. Some of you losing your salvation out there, trying to get parking. Some of you saying to everybody, you're number one. (laughs) Hopefully, you're not doing that, you know. We we need more space, but you know, beyond that, I believe we can do more to be a community destination to this this city, and so just last week, I got back some pictures of some initial renderings of our master plan of how we're gonna continue to grow this campus, our Jerusalem. This is where we're starting. We're going beyond. This is where we're starting, so I wanna show you some, some things today. This is a bird's eye view of our campus and the new white part is additional facilities that over the next 10 years we're gonna build and we're gonna start the process in 2017. We're gonna turn 90 years old and we're gonna start the process of phase one in 2017. Phase one, you can see this is the worship center. Do you see that magic right up there? See, look look at the screen, see how I'm doing that? there's there's infrared that's on this tv isn't that amazing no i'm kidding they got a thing up there so um so let's do it again here's the worship center this is where we are we're going to build this massive great hall that's going to become a huge lobby that is now going to be like the 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 artery that connects the different veins of our church, and it's going to be a hundred foot wide, and it's going to connect our kids center, and this little gray area is a 10,000 square foot uh, expansion of our kids center that's two stories high, 10,000 on the bottom, 6,000 on the top. We're going to move right here in our student center, we're going to move all of our offices to the second story of that building. We're going to give 10,000 square feet to the kids center, and then this student center that is the building that's the least remodeled and renovated, all these kids having this awesome time over here we're gonna create a community destination as they're coming out and coming into middle school and high school we are gonna gut the bottom floor of the student center we're gonna create an incredible space for middle school and high school students to hang out uh, to be a place where they can find and follow Jesus and upstairs we're even working on a, a trampoline park for the students, I know, it's crazy. With like a fireman's pole that goes down, that's awesome, Bra- broken necks waiting to happen. That's okay, we got great insurance. Anyway, <laughs> with the expansion, we'll come into a second phase and, and, and we're gonna, that outdoor pavilion that's right next to our, our uh, conference center, that's got the umbrellas and the nice seating, we're gonna take that all the way across. It's gonna be this awesome, awesome place to hang out through the day, free Wi-Fi and everything. Cafe Aroma. Cafe Aroma is growing and growing and growing and growing every single week. You, got, you guys are you're addicted to caffeine and we're helping you. Oh, Jesus, sorry. <laughs> but you know what we're going to do? We're going to actually move Cafe Aroma. We're going to repurpose that room for all of our dream teamers that are dream teamers in the house to have a place that if you, you can only go in there unless you're a dream teamer. And if you're a dream teamer, you get a, a chip in your right, head or, or right hand or your forehead. And you can go in. I'm kidding. That's not true. So... Cafe Aroma is gonna become like a dream team central where we have uh, meetings and get togethers and you can, you can have some lockers to put your stuff up when you're on a dream team. And we're gonna move Cafe Aroma over here next to the kids center, here's why. Because we're gonna, our goal is to have Cafe Aroma open all throughout the week and have that space open to where young families and anybody from free Wi-Fi to business meetings to hangout out time to, to moms with kids that only have McDonald's and Chick-fil-A they can come in, grab a soup, a sandwich, a latte. We're calling it (laughs) play-a-latte. That they can bring their kids, their young kids too, and have access to playground area and fun stuff as they're in Cafe Aroma enjoying uh, coffee. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Pretty neat. So that was a horrible applause. That was a horrible golf clap. You better do better than that. No, 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 no. I don't receive it right now. It's going to have to be later. You just did it because I asked you to. Well, I've had that conversation with my wife before. I'm sorry. You're just saying sorry because I told you you'd. just accept my apology. Anyway, where am I going? I'm 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 I'm, I'm jacked up with Mountain Dew like I said. As we continue to grow and our Spanish ministry grows, we're going to be able to, at some point, even this worship center, move beyond this worship center. And as the Lord allows, this gives us the opportunity to not expand this worship center, but actually build a new worship center here. We will have places for, for um, fountains and lakes over here on the corner of our property. We're going to put a pond in, and our goal is to even stock that pond. And you can even fish out here, right here on this community destination, but you got to catch it and release it. You can't cook it. (laughs) Catch it, release it, don't cook it, you know. But also, we're gonna have a prayer path that goes around here that's a running trail that'll be a mile circle around our property. It'll be lit up at night. Every 10th mile, there'll be a landscaped portion that'll have like a, a, a pergola and a place where there'll be uh, scriptures inscribed in stone and, and, and on the pavers where not only can you run and you can be with your, your friends and you can have a safe place to run at night, but also there's a place where you could walk and every 10th mile, you could stop and you could reflect and you could pray because prayer is paramount out, and we got to circle this place in prayer. We're going to have splash pads for the kids, and we're going to have the best playground in East Texas, the best, biggest, (laughs) baddest playground in East Texas. It's going to be like American Ninja Warrior out there for four-year-olds. It's going to be unbelievable. And on top of the playground, we're going to have a section of that playground that is going to be specifically designed for kiddos that can't play on normal playgrounds. It's gonna be for kiddos that have special needs and we're gonna have the best special needs park and playground in East Texas. There, there's gonna be, it, this is gonna be like an oasis in the middle of your day where you can come and there's gazebos and benches and outdoor pavilions where you can eat your lunch and listen to music and pray and reflect and read your Bible, bring people up for a Bible study. We're gonna create space, we want, we want to create a space that, that is a community destination all throughout the week. When you say, hey, you wanna meet up? Instead of saying, yeah, let's meet up at Starbucks you know what, I got a great place. Let's meet up at the church. And you know what, it's people saying, you know that one church over there on the loop? Yeah, that's open all the time. Let's go, let's go meet up there. And when they come onto this campus, friends, I believe in the tangible presence of Jesus. And I believe that there has been so much prayer that's gone into this church in years gone by and continues to flood and fill in our tanks that when people pull in or when people drive by, The reason why they look, and the reason why they think, and the reason why their heart is stirred is not because of a parking lot, not because of a banner, not because of a sign, not because of the name of a church, not because of of the music in the parking lot, but because I believe Jesus is going to bless the church that puts his kingdom first. And why not? Do we really need all that stuff, playground and whatnot? No, we don't need any of it. We don't need any of it. Just like we don't need AC right now. I can go ahead and turn off the AC if you'd like. A Couple of months from now, you know, we don't need the heater. Bless God, we can, we can cuddle up with each other. We don't need the heat. That's too much money. You know what? We spend so much money for a secular college education for our kids, we're gonna spend money on the front end for people's God-given potential and a place for the city that is an oasis for this city. And we're not gonna stop in Jerusalem. But this is our main deal. This is our, this is our, this is our sending place. This is our, this is our m- mothership. <laughs> and we're gonna move beyond to what God has next. Just to show you a couple more pictures here. Yeah, there you go again with the golf clap. What is going on here? That's better, I'll give it an 82%. (laughs) You can see here in the parking lot again, just um, the big great hall for the kids center and boy, what a a great place to say, you know, do we need these buildings and stuff? Oh, they're just a testimony. Look, look, there are billion dollar stadiums for football. Football, football. (laughs) I I I believe it's okay to build something grand for the Lord. I just believe it's okay. I believe it's okay. And I want all of you to rise above the level of mediocrity in anything in your life. God's not called, thus saith the Lord, be mediocre. He's called us to be excellent. To be excellent. Just another picture there. Community destinations in Judea. That's people that are close to us. People that are close to us. So not only are we going to reach Jerusalem, but God's called us to Judea, and that are people that are close to us, and God is calling us to become a multi-site church. What is a multi-site church? It maybe the first time you've heard that. A, a multi-site church is one church in many locations. It is, it is a church with the same mission, vision, values, DNA, same senior pastor. But in more than one campus, in different places, live worship... A pastor on that campus that that cares for people and cares for the flock and develops equips the saints to do the work of the ministry. But there's a a video a venue where we live stream what's going on right here into that place on a huge screen. And and you might wonder you might wonder about that right now. Like what about huge screen? I just want to ask you right now that uh, raise your hand if you're watching the big screen right now. Raise your hand. 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 Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Look around. I'm live right here. And you're in the fourth row and you're watching the screen. You're in the second row. I just don't think that'll ever work, going live screen. Well, 20% of Protestant evangelicals are in a multi-site church right now, watching video that's live, number one. Uh, Number two, for the person who says, I would never do that live. If you go watch a football game in your house and you get up and you get excited, you're watching a video screen. <laughs> Case closed. We're gonna be one church in many locations. Why is that? Why go multi-site? Why not just focus on Jerusalem? Cause God's just called us to go beyond Jerusalem. And do you know that right now we have 230 families that are part of this church that are traveling beyond Nacogdoches to be a part of our services alone. We have people that drive from Shreveport every th- three out of four weeks to be a part of our church. That's crazy. That's nuts, I love it, but it's crazy. There are people that drive from Jacksonville that are serving, serving. They get here early, they attend a service, they serve a service and they drive back to Jacksonville and Crockett and Livingston and on Alaska. Are there churches in all those locations? Yes. But God's called us to be a different church. We don't have to be the same church as everybody. We need every church doing their job. Every church ought to be working right because there's way too many people in Lufkin, Angelina County, Nacogdoches County for us to reach on our own. Every church has got to be on board. Every Bible-believing church. Doesn't even have to be a Pentecostal Assembly of God church. It needs to be a Bible-believing church. We need every church filled. But we're going to do our, our part to not just fill the church with people, but to fill the church with unclaimed unchurched, hurting, lost people. That's who God has called us to be empowered by the Spirit to reach. You still with me so far? Now nah, give me a great give me a great big, all right, all okay. right. All right, you just did that because I told you to. I want, you, I want to go multi-site. Our deacon team knows it's time to go multi-site. Our pastoral staff knows it's time to go multi-site. Why? Because we can reach more people faster. We can reach more people. If you drive drive from Nacogdoches, it's harder for you to get all your friends to come with you, isn't it? To get your unchurched friends to come. But if we can create a space that's closer for your unchurched friends then you can more easily invite them to take the journey with you across, across the city versus uh, all the way down into Lufkin. We're not, gonna, we're not gonna do a multi-site any closer than Nacogdoches because if you're close enough, you can just drive right in here. We've tried that before actually, about five or six miles away, we tried it. We reserve the right to learn from our mistakes. We, we did it and it's just a difficult thing, but we're learning now, we're knowing and, and God's presence is on this and we're gonna, we're gonna launch a multi-site location. Uh, pretty soon. Reach more people faster, mobilize more dream teamers, more people. If there's if there's two churches, there's more dream teamers, there's more red carpet people, there's more ushers, there's more, uh, 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 there's, there's more groups, there's more starting point, uh, there's more people discovering their God-given potential. We're going to multiply our community impact, the kind of outreaches that we do here on this campus and in our city. We're going to be able to do them in other locations and have a hub that people can go to instead of drive all the way down into Lufkin. And you know why Else we're doing this the deacon team to a man and the senior pastor and our pastoral staff and i 've already met with a cross section of three hundred people in the last forty eight hours from seven o 'clock at night on Friday till seven o'clock on Saturday. I spoke for nine hours in six different groups about this and i 've already uh, uh, had a cross section of people if you weren 't there it 's not that we don 't like you you weren't invited we just just kind of uh, quickly randomly chose different people just to kind of come together from old and young to dream teamers, to contributors, to who named, just new people to old people, we just had them all. And, and, and I believe he's asking us to do this. And there's just this sense about it that it's just time to go beyond our borders. You see that circle? There's a couple multi-site churches in Tyler. There's like 45 of them in Houston. There's one in Beaumont, but nobody else is doing that right here. There, there, there's some things that there's some churches are having some packed churches and they're helping other churches at different locations. In fact, Clawson Assembly is, is doing this with a church in Huntington and, and doing a great job, doing a great job over there in Huntington. Um, God's calling us to reach this circle. He's not really calling us to reach over here, Dallas, Fort Worth, or Austin. That's not our Jerusalem. That can be Judea, but this is really, this is really Judea for us. And, you know, as much as I say we need every single church involved, here's what I believe for us. I, we're not going to be the best in the world at preaching. T.D. That, Jakes kind of has that covered for me. We're not going to be the best at worship, although we've got some great worship leaders and, and worship pastor. Um, you know, we're not, we're not going to be the best at, like, the biggest stuff or the, this or that but you know what I think we could be the best in the world at? You know what I think we could be the best in the world at creating community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus right here? Not in Los Angeles, not over in Tennessee, but we could be the best in reaching unchurched, unclaimed lost people by creating community destinations right here. I think we could just be the best in the world at it. We could be the best in the world. So September of 2017, we are gonna launch our first campus in Nacogdoches. Already I've had 10 different couples come to me over the last 48 hours and say, I'm in, whatever, I'm there, whatever you need, I want it. like, yes, let's do it. And you know what? There's going to come a time where we're going to invite you, if you want to be a part of that process, we we would love for you to be a dream teamer and part of the team that will launch a campus in Nacogdoches. And we're not going to start there. We're not going to stop there. We're starting. We're not going to stop there. We're going to get to 100 years old and we're going to look back. And I don't know how many campuses God is going to have us. I'm not going to put a number on it because I don't want to put a number on it right now. It may be two. It may be four. It may be 10 right here in Judea. But God's calling us to create community destinations and we're starting in Nacogdoches. 250,000 people around this area. Two million people in that circle. Two million people in that circle that I just showed you. A lot of them do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. Bible Belt, are you sure? Oh, they may say Jesus. Like a lot of people say, Lord, Lord, but they're not ready to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I I want us to help them get there. Community destinations in Samaria, that's people different than us. That's different ethnicities. Our Spanish ministry, 150 plus, happening right now. And their kids are in with with, with, uh, our kids. You know why? Because we're all one church. We're already actually doing another location. It's called the Spanish venue. And their kids are connecting with us. And actually right now, Pastor Joel, our Spanish pastor, is preaching the same message I'm preaching. And over the last several months, preaches the same message that I preach because we're one church. I just can't speak Spanish I can speak Igpe Atinle. Pig Latin, but that's it. That's all I can speak. But we want to have different, we're going to reach people that are the same as far as souls, but are in different ethnicities. We're going to reach people in Samaria. People are different than us. Samaria is different. We're going to reach people that have the same soul, but are in different circumstances. We're already in communication with three different jails, and we are going to launch a campus inside three jails in this vicinity, they are saying please come. And we'll have a weekly service where we provide the projection equipment and we provide the bulletin like you have, and it's got fill in the blanks and the sermon. And there will come a time in the next 12 months where when I get up to preach on a Sunday morning, instead of just jumping in, I will say something like, I want to welcome those of you that are watching online, I want to welcome you, those that are on our campus there in uh, the, the uh, local county jail there in Nacogdoches, there in Lufkin, and in our Nacogdoches campus. And I want to tell everybody, we love you. You're part of this church. It's one church in multiple locations and before we begin I want our our original campus our love would you give them a huge hand for being part of our of our church today that's where we're going that's where we're going and community destinations in the world this is people we may never know who can't do anything for us in return have nothing else to give to us that we, we, we invest with the potential that there is nothing ever given back. And that's how Jesus has called us to do. To be in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost, walking palms up with what he's given us to give. Look around this room. There are 867 seats in this room. And do you know that in Africa alone, listen close. In Africa alone, there are 867 Unreached people groups that in their own language have never heard the message of Jesus Christ. In Africa alone, that is one tribe for every single seat in this auditorium. Jesus is calling us to create community destinations in unreached people groups. To support missionaries that would, 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 would move and become boots on the ground but then create pastors from those tribes that would speak the message of Jesus to that culture through the chaos. What would it be like to be able to be responsible us to translate the Bible in an unreached people group? What would, it, what, would it, what would that mean for us to be the ones that for the first time get to get into an unreached that have never heard the name of Jesus? What about, what about right here in our backyard, the people that we may never know that even though they're in our backyard, they're hurting, they're abused, they've been physically abused, sexual abused children. What about, what about the 400,000 foster children? 400,000 foster children, 340,000 churches, do the math. If every church could take care of a child, we'd fix the foster epidemic in this country. The church has got to step up. There are children, preteen children in sex trafficking across this globe. And I believe we're called to create community destinations that are safe havens. That we can go into those places and rescue those children. And it'd be a community destination where the only hands they've ever felt are the hands that were groping. But they could feel the hands of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, because somebody created a community destination what about kids that are dying? Cause they don't just, they don't even have, just don't have clean water. I believe we could create a community destination in villages all over the map with a water well. That would be a community destination where then we can build a tabernacle next to it and they can find and follow Jesus at the local water well. You know what? We can't have it if we can't dream it. And God's looking for a church that will dream big. I know I've got a lot to cover with you. But are you still with me so far? All right. The next steps. Here's our next steps that we're going to launch in 2017, okay? Next steps that I'm asking you not, not to just do in 2017, but to start doing right now. This is our part, okay? This is the part we play as the body of Christ, all right? Number three, we need to once again be willing to move beyond our borders, Every border you get to, every time you accomplish something, there is this comfort zone that is created. And there was just this comfort zone about having a tent in 1927, but then winter came. They didn't want to be in a tent. And they quickly gathered some money and they got a loan from what is now G.E. Lufkin, that was Lufkin Industries, it was Martin Wagon Company. They got a loan from them and... With a few dollars, they turned on the lights. They built their first building over on Culver House and Oak Street, first assembly of God right here in Lefkin, 1927. And they got comfortable to the point where they needed to do something else. And one of the pastors, Leslie Grounds, had a vision to buy property out on the loop. And you know what? Back then, people said, you're crazy. You're crazy. We're not gonna make it out there in the woods. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) That's way out there. That's way out there in the boonies. Over there on the loop. And here we are today. 1970, Bob and Ann Lewis became the pastors. And they made, they didn't buy the property, but they built the building. It was the chapel and the education center and the gymnasium. They came on and they, they brought us beyond the border of Culver House. And then another pastor brought us beyond the border of the chapel and said, yeah, I, I I think we could have a sanctuary that that seated a thousand people. And when I said 867, we took one row out to make more space here, and we took one row out here to make uh, space to walk around it. You can seat a thousand people in here. We were running 200 people at the time. What? Thousand people? 200? What are you talking about? But we moved beyond the border. When I became the pastor, my first Sunday, 1,180 people in attendance. And we hit record attendance this summer of 1800 in, in, in the last 24 months. God's, God's not done with this 90 year old church. God's not done. Most 90 year olds are looking back celebrating what he did and just, just, just trying to get through the day. This 90 year old church is ready to move forward with fresh vision and fresh mission. And we gotta be willing to move beyond our borders. You know in the book of Acts, when they went to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, when that's what God told them to do. Do you know how long it took him to get past Jerusalem? You know, Jesus ascends into heaven. He says, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost, peace. I don't know if he said that. I don't think he said that part. (laughs) It took him seven years, seven years to get beyond Jerusalem. Jerusalem. You know why? Because they got comfortable in Jerusalem. They were building a mega church. Thousands of people were being added. Hundreds of people every single day. By the time of like a two-year stint, there were 15,000 people in the local church right there in Jerusalem. And they were converting Jews. It was comfortable because the other Jews were coming to Christianity. And and they were were converting them more to Judaism, Christianity, than actually just to Christ. And they weren't reaching out their borders to, to the Gentiles. To Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. Finally, Philip goes seven years later into Samaria. There's this outpouring of the Spirit, people getting saved and water baptized, and they send like the leaders of the church in Jerusalem to kind of check it out, make sure everything's crazy. Like, what? Gentiles are getting saved? This is nuts. It's like, what? Nacogdoches people? (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. They're getting saved too? We got to check this out. And so sure enough, they go and they see what's happening is legit, but here's what they try and do. They say, okay, we're glad you're getting saved, Gentiles, but you need to, and what was happening is the movement of the spirit was happening and also the institutionalizing of the church was happening and they were forcing them to become more Jewish than just Christian. And so they say, well, all of you guys that just got saved, you need to go get circumcised. Boy, could you imagine? Don't imagine it very deeply, but could you imagine? Hey, glad you guys accepted Christ today. Hey, before you leave, if you'd go around back... going to have a circumcision celebration. <laughs> there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How many of you would prefer just to see water baptisms? Okay, anyway, so <laughs> Okay, I'm off. So 7 years before they reached the Gentiles. 7 years everybody. God's not called us to be satisfied in Jerusalem. He's called us beyond our borders. Get off the porch they were comfortable on Solomon's porch, which was part of the temple. I remember going to my grandma's house as a kid. Oh man, I loved my grandma's house. Huge house, tons of acreage, big old barn full of hay. We would tie ropes to the barn rafters and swing across the barn. We'd run in the yard and we had this huge, she had this huge porch that we would ride our bikes on and we would burn fireworks on and we were cheap. My parents were cheap. They like the little uh, black snake fireworks. You just like light it and it grows. That was all the, you know, they trusted us with. We'd like lose fingers. But but we were the burn marks of these, these little black snake fireworks all over the huge front porch, A few years ago my grandma passed away, it had been a decade since I'd been to that, to that place, actually more like 20 years at least, because I was just a kid when, when she moved out and into the home of my aunt and uncle, and when I drove by, we had our daughter, Janet and I, I was going to show them because we were going to my grandma's funeral, when, when we pulled up to the house, I was shocked, it had shrunk. Anybody ever had that sensation? A place you used to play on, a playground, a slide that was bigger than life. And you show up and it's so tiny. Her house was tiny. The barn was like little. I'm like, no way, it was like 20 feet across. We were swinging across those hay bales. It was so dangerous. It was like, it was like a shed. (laughs) That porch was just like, it was so small. And our family would hang out on that little bitty porch and they would make homemade ice cream and my dad would play the guitar and us kids would be right on there trying to be on our bikes. No wonder my dad and my grandma and my relatives would say, get off the porch, go play, get off the porch. There's just something about the comfort of that porch and it felt so big, it felt so big. God's calling us to get off the porch. It's not near as big as we think it is, number one. And he's got all this space that we need to explore and follow through with on our vision. Now, what I'm gonna tell you, not only are we gonna go multi-site, we're gonna work on expansion this next year, but now I'm gonna give you a little bit of an immunization shot. Anybody ever been scared of the shot? I'm gonna give you a shot and it may hurt. For some of you, it may not even be a big deal. For the others of you, I may show you the shot and you're like, oh, what? But I promise you, it's not as bad as it sounds. And I wanna tell you, it's, it's important. It's important that we do this, okay? Are you with me so far? Here we go. Number two, we need a name that translates beyond our Jerusalem. And what I mean by that is this. As we become one church in more than one location, as we become a broader open front door to our community, I believe it's time. Our deacon team is unanimous. Our pastoral staff is unanimous. I've talked with our pastors of years gone by with Pastor Bob and Ann, and they're in full support. It's time that we change the name of the church. We're gonna change the name of the church from Lufkin First Assembly to a different name that will translate beyond our porch, beyond our Jerusalem. Let me tell you why. Practical reasons why we're gonna change the name, here we go. Number one, a city-centric name hinders us from being one church in multiple locations. It's hard to be Lufkin First Assembly in Nacogdoches. doesn't quite work and as we move beyond that and we're in Tyler or we're in Jacksonville or we're in Crockett or we're in Longview or we're in Beaumont or we're in Jasper or St. Augustine Lufkin First Assembly just doesn't relate furthermore First Assembly is kind of already taken in a lot of those places so we for a practical reason we need to change to a less city centric name that would that would uh, be a larger geographical area also we're Assembly of God Church. We're, we're, we're a Pentecostal church. We're unashamed of that. But removing the denomination from the name can create a larger front door to those hesitant to try something different. Hey, let's do a poll. If you grew up Assembly of God, raise your hand where I can see your armpit. Raise it up right up high. I grew up Assembly of God. Raise it up. There you go. Good. Looking good. How many of you did not grow up in Assembly of God Church? Uh-oh. Hmm. Interesting. Let me ask you another question. And just be honest, and it's okay. Uh, how many of you, you grew up in another denomination, and uh, like, a, like a friend that I met recently, um, I'll change their name to uh, Susan, okay? And Susan said, all my family's Baptist. And uh, when I told them I was gonna go first assembly, they were like, are you crazy? That, that's a cult, <laughs> you know? Uh, how many of you maybe were a little hesitant to try this church because it was not the denomination you were from, would you raise a hand? Okay. So um, the truth is God did not wake up on the eighth day and say, thus saith the Lord, this ought to be your name. We're named first assembly because we were the first assembly of God church that came into Lufkin. But being first assembly doesn't make us any better than the second assembly that came into Lufkin or the third or the fifth or the seventh. We're not, we're not, we didn't win the race, you know. We just planted first. And I want us to create a space that's the same church that has a different name. But I want us to wrestle with the right things on that. And I know for some, that feels nostalgic. You're changing the name of the church. We're 89 years old. Hey, let me ask you this. How many of you ladies, uh, when you got married, you changed your last name? Would you raise your hand? Just raise it right up. Okay, most 99.2% of you. All right, no, no problem with that. When you, when you changed your name, did you forsake your past? I'm never going back to that family, never gonna have Christmas with them again. No, you, you, you changed your name and you embraced a new chapter in your life, but you still have family, you still love mom or dad or both, you know? You love your siblings most of the time, but you changed the name because it was a new chapter and we're just at that place. Let me give you some more practical reasons. Another practical reason is because there's already First Lutheran and First Baptist Lufkin, First United Methodist, First Baptist Kelties, First Presbyterian, First Assembly Corgan, First Assembly Bible, First Assembly Huntington, First United Pentecostal, First Christian Church, First Bank and Trust. <laughs> and it can kind of get stuck in the middle of that. By removing assembly from your name or changing the name of the church, does it mean we're not going to be Pentecostal or Spirit-filled or Assembly of God anymore? Absolutely not. No, 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 no. We're going to stay who we are. We're going to stay who we are. But we're not just going to be known by the name that is a denomination name. In fact, we're going to be, we want to be known for the most important name, the name that is above every name. That's what we want to be known for, not whether we're Assembly of God or Baptist or Methodist or Lutheran, but that we claim Christ. Now, when you come onto this campus, you're gonna know we're spirit-filled. You're gonna know that we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna know that we are assembly of God. You go to starting point, you're gonna find that out. You're gonna know that here. Look, 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 look. My dad's a district superintendent in the assemblies. I got AG tattooed right here, okay? I'm an AG boy. I bleed the fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. But you know, 86% of the 100 largest AG churches don't have assembly in their name. 86 out of 100, do you know how many that leaves? 14, 14 out of 100. But that's practical, biblical reasons. God himself is okay with name changes. He's okay with it. He's not scared, you shouldn't be scared. All throughout the Bible he gives us name changes. Abram to Abraham. Abram, exalted father to Abraham, father of many nations. Jacob, leg puller. He was a liar, leg puller is what it means. When you say, you're pulling my leg, basically means you're lying. You're a Jacob, that's what's happening. Sorry Jacob, if you're in the room Jacob, sorry you leg puller. Uh, Israel, meaning wrestling with God. Solomon, which meant peace, and God renamed Solomon in his own words to Jedediah, meaning I love you. Simon, son of John, was later named Cephas, which also translated as Peter, which means rock. But really the one that I wanna, share with you is Saul to Paul. See, the new church is built, birthed in Acts 1, Acts 2, and Saul at the time is persecuting Christians. He's a killer of Christians. He's, a, he's an imprisoner of Christians, but he gets converted on the road to Damascus, and Saul, God doesn't change his name to Paul. Saul had two names, like I grew up with the name Jeremiah. That's why my mom and dad named me Jeremiah, but I go by Jeremy, I have two names. Well Saul had two names, he had a Jewish mom and a Roman dad, dual citizenship, two passports. He was Saul in Jerusalem and on the Roman side he was Paul. And do you know when Saul left Jerusalem and he got off the porch, he no longer went by the name that he was known for, just in Jerusalem. Saul makes sense in Jerusalem, the first king of Israel was Saul. But he goes as Paul to reach the Gentiles, to reach outside of his own walls, because even the Roman governor at the time was named Sergio Paulus. So Saul goes to Paul, not because he just wants to change his name because he used to persecute Christians and he wants to kind of be on the down low so nobody says, oh, you're Saul, that guy. No, 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 I'm Paul. No, he's already known as Paul because he wants to use the name that gives him the best chance to reach the people they haven't reached yet. That's, that's it. I want us to be named the name that gives us the best chance to reach the people we haven't reached yet. This is our Saul to Paul moment, everybody. That's just what it is. Do you think that I woke up uh, last week? If you think I woke up last week and said, I know, let's meddle with the name. I got much more important things to stress eat over. <laughs> so Lufkin First Assembly, in two weeks from now, we will have a vote and we'll vote to change the name from Lufkin First Assembly to the name Timber Creek Church. Timber Creek Church. That is a golf clap, that's okay. You don't have to clap. Here's why. Here's why. Because we're gonna reach the timber country of East Texas and we're gonna provide living water, fresh water to people that are unclaimed and unchurched. But also in Psalm three, he talks about a man that's dedicated to the word, dedicated to God. And I want a church, that's our church. And I want us to be like a tree planted by rivers of water to bring forth fruit in his season. His leaf doesn't wither and whatever he does shall prosper. The tree by rivers of water, that Timber Creek Church, I want your families to be fruitful. And I want you to pass the baton and never wither as a Christ-centered family. I want our church to prosper in everything we do. That's the biblical side of that name. And 14 months ago, we also bought TimberCreekChurch.com, TimberCreek.org, TimberCreek.Church, <laughs> Twitter handle, at timbercreek. You know why? Because we were preparing for this. We were preparing for this. It's been a while coming. Um, I, I, I didn't want to rip off the band-aid and just say, hey, everybody, I just got a good idea. I just, we've prayed about this. and We feel like this is what God wants us to do. You're going to get an opportunity on first Wednesday in November to do two things. Number one, number one, when I was elected as your pastor, I was elected for a two-year term. It's been two years. And so, like, legally, I'm no longer your pastor. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it's, it, we're legal. We're legal. We're legal. Um, but I need to be reelected. If you choose, if you want to, this is your chance to boot me out. <laughs> here, here it is. <laughs> and so, I'll be up for re-election on that first Wednesday in November. Um... And also, we'll be voting to, to change the name. You're gonna be re- You're gonna vote for reelection on the same day you're trying to change the name. Yeah, I didn't want to wait till after I was reelected, Lord willing, and I believe that's uh, the direction that God would probably have for us. But um, I wanted to tell you before that because I'm just telling you, I'm going all in on this. I'm not. I'm not holding any punches. I'm not pulling anything back. I'm not trying to make anybody happy except God. That's all. That's all I'm trying to do. I want the best for you. I want the best for this church. I want the best for this church. I'm just I'm just trying to do what I feel like the Lord has called me to do. This is going to be the new front of the church where the brick parsonage was, and it's just going to be beautiful. And there, in the fountain, you'll see Timber Creek Church. Just cool stuff. Hey, you got questions? I think we got answers. Tonight, there's an info meeting at 5 p.m. If this is new to you, and you're going like this, yeah. You're welcome to ask any question you like. On your seat back pocket, there's a green card that's got a question mark on it. I want you to think about your question today. Write it down. I'll answer the questions that are written down and put in a box at 5 p.m. in the chapel. Please come. There'll be little refreshments and uh, from 5 to 5.45. If you have a question about the name change or multi-site or anything like that, um, even if you have a snide remark, you can write it down. I will put it in an envelope and send it to Santa Claus. Uh, But we will... (laughs) We, we wanna answer questions you have about that because I know it's a big deal, I know it's a big deal. Uh, but it's really, it's like that immunization shot. We're gonna move forward and we're gonna accomplish more and more and more things for God and it's gonna be a beautiful deal. But number one, and we're, we're done with this video and this point, beyond a name change, beyond moving beyond our borders, I'm asking every one of you, I'm asking every one of you and, and I'm asking myself daily, Would we once again surrender to his kingdom first? There's so many things you could pour your life into. Pour your life into the kingdom of God. Pour your family into the kingdom of God. If we'll do that, the tomatoes that this church sold door to door to keep the doors open, it'll stay worth it. There was a time where they had to sell vegetables from one house to the next. To pay to keep the church open. How blessed are we? Because they could see a church in the future that was worth sacrificing for. And they put his kingdom first. When we do that, when we put his kingdom first, when we surrender to his will, when we catch the vision that God has and God sees for the church that we see, I think that that church will look a little something like this. This is is a vision statement that, that I wrote a few weeks ago, we put to music and to video, that I believe describes the heart of all that we're trying to do. This is the church I see. Here's to the pioneers. The groundbreakers, the trailblazers, the risk takers. The ones who built something out of nothing. The church birthing few who supernaturally knew there was more. They wanted to see what God would do next. This was the church they could see. They were faith-believing, house-meeting, tent-pitching visionaries, empowered by the Spirit, willing to do something and try something and and be something new. The church they built with the prayers they prayed and the pennies they saved created more than just a place. They created space where love would replace legalism. They did not hold in white-knuckled grip their dream. No, they broke ground on ours. They dug in to create the church we might someday be. The kind of church we might someday see. So what is the right way to honor their dedication? It is not with tenacious protection of customs or traditions, and certainly not handed down, hollowed out religion. No, we honor their faith with a passionate pursuit. Not a chasing of what he has done, but following their lead and pressing toward what he will do next. This is the church I see. The church I see is so attractive, so refreshing, so inspiring, the buildings struggle to contain the increase. Like an oak tree that doesn't know its full strength or its full reach, it's a church growing in more than one place with creative space not defined by city limits or zip codes, but in community destinations, proclaiming a Christ-centered message of real hope to the whole world church I see is identified by its kindness, reckless with compassion, where we walk palms up, eyes open, hearts broken for the uncared for, the unloved, the unfound, where the hungry are fed, the thirsty are satisfied, the hopeless are hopeful, and the bound up are unbound. The church i see takes next steps in greater obedience where the spiritually mature encourage those just exploring so they too can begin growing where those who are close remain steadfast and grow even closer it's a place where the forgotten are remembered relationships are mended where prodigal sons and daughters are not met with cold told you so's but grace-filled embraces that shout welcome home The church I see, she is not boring, but bursting with joy and with laughter. She's so impacting, the city cannot ignore her. The church I see, your God-given potential is the mission, where we yield to His purposes in our lives, our relationships, our marriages, and in our children. The church I see, we won't keep it to ourselves. You'll see His church in our lives and in our jobs, the way we walk and the way we work in irrational generosity and extravagant worship. We're not impressed or propelled by the accolades of mere men. We simply humbly serve for the applause of an audience of one to hear his words, well done. The church I see is just getting started. And until Jesus comes back, she'll put aside this cause and that cause to seek and see save those who are still lost because no weapon formed against her will prosper. Not even hell with its devil could possibly ever stop her. She'll never stop going. She'll never stop growing. She'll remain relentless on mission with a global passion and God given vision. This is the church I see. We would be you with skin on to reach those that are lost and hurt and bound up to become unbound and free and living the life you intended them to live and we ask it in the name of Jesus